King Richard. Mm-hmm. Someday we will cover it because it might be the greatest Dad's Rock movie. <laughs> Oh shit! Yeah, that movie is just like about the dad. Yeah, so two of the greatest athletes in the history of modern times, and definitely within their sport, take a backseat to their dad as the lead character. Uh, Let's just like, wouldn't it have been sick if like Space Jam? Like, do you remember how Space Jam started with like my little young Michael Jordan? Uh, shooting hoops and his father comes out and like gives him a compliment or something and then like the movie just turns into it being about his father yeah like, it, the father the father has to get help from the looney tunes i mean it totally worked i liked it but it yeah. was like it was very 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 funny like premise to like break into this story of the williams sisters it's like yeah i mean they're like Two of the greatest champions to ever live. But you know what who's really interesting? Their wacky dad. (laughs) (laughs) Goofball the father. And they're their executive producers on it. So they signed off on it because as we've learned anything at the Academy Academy, I love my dad. (laughs) Yeah, dad's rock. Yeah. (laughs) Dad's rock. That's the that's the that's the crest of our show. That is, yeah, one of the key themes we've discovered in the history of, uh, let's say, American cinema. (laughs) Yeah, Dad's Rock. We need to, like, okay, I want to make a new uh, um, logo for our program, and it just has, like, you know, it still has us on it or whatever, but then, like, Dad's Rock in Latin. Like, that needs to be, like, our... Our crest, our family crest. Our family crest. What are, like, the four four symbols of Dad's Rocking? Like, uh, divorce papers. (laughs) Divorce papers. Sad uh, two-bedroom apartment. Um, That's the your, castle. Your your novel that you're not quite finished yet, but this is going to be the one. <laughs> and a precocious child. Yeah, a precocious child or a new babe of a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and we we um let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the 48th annual award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute undeniable and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Gremion. Welcome to the Academy. And Patrick, I just got one sentence for you. How do you know? No question mark. (laughs) (laughs) How do you know? How many meanings do you think they had about the punctuation on the title of that movie? Uh, probably like seven. Uh, <laughs> we have two very uniquely titled films on this week's show. Yeah. Um, one of which works for its film, but it's probably a bit of a mouthful and probably did not help ticket sales <laughs> whatsoever. And the other one is just a grammatical mess. <laughs> yeah, the other one confusing. <laughs> yeah, the other one is confusing. Like, yeah, how do Some- you even pronounce it? <laughs> like- Somehow. The question one, against all odds, I almost think that's the worst title, which is impressive. Impressively done. Of course, we are talking about, to this moment at least, the directorial swan songs of the Brooks Boys. Albert Brooks' comedy from 2005, looking for comedy in the Muslim world. And James L. Brooks' romantic comedy from 2010, how do you know? I'm going to say it that fast. How do you know? Because, How do you know? <laughs> because it's a, I don't think it's a question. <laughs> um, yes, of course, no question mark at the end of how do you know. Um, so how do we know? 
what is what it was even being applied <laughs> yeah what are we what are we even talking about like that what's happening yeah what is what what do we want to know i will say at the very <laughs> least if i was just some random ticket goer who was walking up to my multiplex in those years had not read any reviews and i saw looking for comedy in the muslim world i would say i kind of have i bet i know what that's about yeah um if i said how do you know i'd be like the hell is that about <laughs> oh no it looks like a stock photo like the the poster looks like because it just has like you know four pictures of the cast and like random like spots and like no tagline no either no fun tagline like we've like no get ready for melvin oh yeah no because it's it's like if you had a a poster making app on your phone and they had like the generic like this is like the placement holder poster and then you can just edit it and do whatever you want that's a hundred percent what it looks like i'm surprised those aren't fucking like uh 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 who's that family that uh christopher uh who's that family that kevin spacey was in the movie and then they kicked him out <laughs> that's how i remember this <laughs> all the money in the world yeah but what was that family's name again the, the gettys the gettys yeah, yeah. getty photos stock yeah. getty photos, stock photos. Stock that's, how photos. I, yeah. that's, how, that's how i remember the name of the gettys and i gotta say hollywood <laughs> what happened to your poster game you look back on the 70s posters and the 80s posters these are good that poster burt reynolds dressed as uncle sam but instead in a tracksuit saying demanding a wife to to make him a baby yeah. that's that's poster making if you ask me oh hell was, yeah yeah like how about some cool posters like i i've been driving around like i mean there, there's been some like the the matrix poster with the two pills that came out that's a good poster that's a yeah. good recent poster but I, and the new licorice pizza poster the drawn one is mm, terrific that's a great one but bring, bring back drew Susan, baby yeah yeah like um how many great posters mad magazine inspired posters have there been mm. there's a lot of good ones have every, more, uh drawn posters every every poster should have a mad magazine like every movie should have a mad magazine. king richard should have had a mad magazine version uh, admittedly i think the king richard posters the minimalism i i find attractive that is a good poster him with the uh the, the shopping, shopping cart. cart yeah i think it's a it's a nice looking poster but we see too many posters of the floating heads ugh, you know, ugh. and what is that you know i get like why they do it i've heard the the logic it's kind of yeah. like uh but it's sort of like how uh every uh building looks like crap because of the prac for practical reasons yeah and it's like dog let's get opulent well, do a like weird I, I tend to think like, I think like Paul Thomas Anderson, I've heard him actually suggest this and I think others do too. It's like the trailer and the poster are part of the entire vibe that you're putting out there with your movie. So it's like, it's a full package deal. So like the cover on your DVD, if you got physical media, that better look cool too. Like design that. Oh, 100%. Well, it's like, a, it's like a freaking uh novel like the 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 outside of the the cover like you know what would the jurassic park book be without the chip kid uh you know iconic dinosaur on the front there was there was oh i'm forgetting the title but there was there was one a few years ago where it was just this um man in his 20s who's just like got his hand on his face and he's like looking up at the sky in anguish and <laughs> i was like that looks like a book i probably would want to read <laughs> like, 
I'm forgetting the title, but it's I, just like that's intriguing. That's provocative. I feel that. I remember, like, um, for the longest time, my local movie theater, uh, the local Edward Cinema, they had um, the Angela a- Angela's Ashes poster. Like way long after, like, like in 2007, they still had that's the. Weird Angela- that, that's weird that that's the that's the display that's hanging around. It's yeah. <laughs> But like it was like this little black and white kid, and then it was like Angela's ashes, and I was like, I want to know what's up. I want to like, yeah, what? Are, who was Angela? And what are these ashes? Yeah, I want to taste these ashes. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I don't want to taste. Them. But it is like you know, it's like the Carl Ave Canal Scarred books. Oh, for my yeah. struggle. Like every one of the covers is like this, like lanky, bearded, long-haired scandinavian man looking pensive while smoking a cigarette and you're like i know what i'm getting and you're either in or you're not <laughs> like oh yeah no it's like who's this norwegian ichabod crane yeah <laughs> you're either like he seems very intriguing i want to know more like no i kind of know what he's going to be doing and i'm not interested at all <laughs> yeah that is definitely it's either like yeah i'm either on board for uh the norwegian version of uh crumb or I, yeah. uh, or I am just yeah. like yeah not for me I'm back to my Conan book sir yeah 70 pages of him just wondering about his masculinity while he changes the tire I, I don't even that is that that is a made up <laughs> but it could have been in the book so <laughs> interesting so looking for comedy in the Muslim world if you don't remember this one uh, you're probably not alone <laughs> it was by a wide margin kind of his like least talked about and kind of very quickly disappeared movies um of course came out post 9-11 and with a title like that um probably not a huge level of broad appeal in the united states at the very least um i remember when it came out and i you know missed it this was this was a first watch for me i believe a first watch for you yeah a hundred percent i do remember seeing like uh this has an interesting poster too of just like a kind of like a tasteful Albert Brooks outside of a uh, uh, kind of a serene uh, mosque. Like it's an interesting, it was an interesting, I remember seeing this, uh, just this poster and being intrigued by it. But uh, also just like the, the brazenness of a name, the name looking for comedy in the Muslim world. That is like a, that is like a name that will grab your eye. Yeah. Yeah. And you will make a very quick decision. Oh, if you're 100%. to be watching this film or not. And I think, you know, I mean, the interesting thing, I thought before he started it, I was convinced it was like a documentary of oh. Albert Brooks going and actually like doing this, what he's kind of making fun of. And I think that that's what made me not want to see it was I was like, oh, it's like some Hollywood live going like, no, they can, people from other cultures can laugh too. It's uh, like, because uh, no. you could picture before really, this was 05. I was not as familiar with AB mm. at that point, but um, knowing him now, I'm like, yeah, he would never, yeah, <laughs> never he do is, that. I definitely felt safer watching this movie uh, post watching all of our previous films because, yeah, it is like he this wasn't, thing. He yeah. wasn't going to do it. He wasn't going to. No way. Yeah. Pander or, you know. And especially because he's, I love the full circle nature that he's playing himself yes. in this movie from back to going all the way back to real life. So, yeah, this was, like we said, 2005, written and directed by Albert Brooks, co starring Amy Ryan, Fred Dalton Thompson. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, great. Um, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of times in sports, you know, you'll see a player like, hey, we were just talking about King Richard, the Williams sisters. And you're like, boy, they could be future Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. They are they are that good. Uh, we haven't talked about him a lot, but John Carroll Lynch could be a future oh. Academy Academy Hall of Famer. He's got all of the tools that it takes to make the Academy Academy Hall of Fame. You know, oh, he crushes it. And he, John he, Tenney, too. John Tenney as well. Yeah, I was going to. Yeah, he was next on the but And then um, an actress who I was not particularly familiar with, but I really liked Shital Shital Sheath, who plays Maya. <laughs> well, uh, what's funny about uh, her casting is uh, Sheetal Sheath was apparently um, uh, contacted by Albert Brooks and his people during the nascent production, you know, was actually like even invited to like his house, which was like a big deal for her at the time because she only had a few like serious acting performances under her. She had acting performances. She only had a few uh, roles under her belt at the time. Uh, it was a big deal. And uh, he kind of explained the uh, film to her and she uh, loved it. She liked it and was also like a big fan. And uh, after this, uh, you know, conversation they had, uh, she began the auditioning process with them. And, uh, you know, she had to go through multiple rounds of auditioning and apparently a bunch of other actors kind of like. Uh, a bunch of people she knew were like really vying for this part as well. There were like a lot of people involved in the casting process, the audition process. And what's funny is she had a friend tell her that apparently the role was described to them as a Sheetal Chef prototype. Uh, like she was like the prototype for this part or she was the inspiration for this part. She was the basis. And she was like, ah. I can do the like I'm Sheetal Seth. I should be the one doing it. And eventually she she got the role. So like yeah, NBD, but like uh yeah, it's just interesting stuff. Interesting, yeah. And I think she really pops and she helps bring a um lightness to the proceedings with the rest of the monstrous characters that are around her. Um the movie holds a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Although the premise seems right for laughs, Albert Brooks isn't ruthless or clever enough to pull it off. Ouch. Ouch, oh, Rotten Tomatoes. Man, man. And I don't know if I totally agree yeah. with that sentence. Uh, movie costs $10 million. I do not actually have a box office total for that one. And But if I had to take a, a, a box office guess, uh, some people say I am the box office guesser. Of the, of the Academy <laughs> Academy. Um, my guess would be it did not make $10 million um, at the box office. Uh, if I remember when this came out, I was an avid moviegoer. This one came and went pretty quickly. Oh, totally. Um, 100%. Interesting thing I also read is that this was originally um, put together at Sony Pictures, but he refused to change the title. And Ooh. Sony Pictures dropped it. And Warner Independent Pictures, the very short-lived indie arm of Warner, picked it up for release. And um, yeah, it's. I think it was. I think he was, you know, asking for trouble a bit with this title in yeah. this climate too. I mean, there are better shows than ours who've kind of discussed what, just how intense the post-9/11 climate was 
within culture and the entertainment industry yeah. um, and kind of the strange compromises that were made by studios to, to kind of assist in the <sighs> retaliation to the attacks on 9-11. Oh, yeah. And, and this was like, uh, uh, yeah, this was released at like the very end of uh, like the Freedom Fries mentality. Yeah. I feel like we were like still like kind of one foot in that uh, we're going to burn our Dixie Chicks albums mentality. Yeah, you mess with Spider-Man, you mess with New York City, you mess with America. <laughs> yeah, you mess with Spider-Man, we're going to fight you. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, you know, again, better shows than ours have covered it since, but, you know, yeah. it does continue with the military's active support of the Marvel movies. But yay, <laughs> that's either here nor there. Um, <laughs> They're complicit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's true. Baby Groot, he's... There. They're all on the same team. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Isn't I just heard that Guantanamo Bay is now being head by Doctor Strange? Oh, that is crazy! Oh my gosh, what world? The multi world? I don't know. The, the verse. Mu- the multiverse. Whatever, huh? whatever verse. Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> my brother was just telling me though that apparently they're doing massive reshoots on the new Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. um, which is directed by Sam Raimi. Oh, cool. Which is, which is really cool. And I got really worried about that. But he goes, you know why they're doing it? They test screened it. And all the audience was like, we want more Raimi weirdness. Do some reshoots to make this movie weirder. And I was like, oh, that's a that's a promising. That's a promising turn of events that they, you know, let yeah. let 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 Raimi be Raimi. Let him do his wildness. I like. Yeah, I like it whenever uh, uh, kind of like a more seasoned director kind of sneaks into one of these big franchises and gets to like, you know, it's, it's interesting to see um, where the artist begins and the corporation uh, begins and like where they like kind of like hit each other and it's mm-hmm. yeah and it's fun to like yeah to see like oh the, uh, the play kind of like the game of okay this is where they gave Raimi notes he couldn't do like a weird you know green vomit scene here yeah Doctor Strange couldn't like you know fuck himself or something you know? <laughs> yeah he couldn't yeah like uh little spider-man couldn't put a fucking chainsaw on his picture, hand <laughs> picture dour ass benedict cumberbatch no i'm going to fuck myself <laughs> this i'm gonna fuck in his weird uh fake american accent that's insane yeah yeah, uh, yeah. maybe the <laughs> oh we got a guest um... <laughs> musical guest don's guest, my baby <laughs> But I, I think it would be really neat. I just, I somebody else has to have thought of this, but you know how like DC has the Vertigo line for like the adult comics and that kind oh, yeah. of thing? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be cool if, and I think it's just, it's all just too expensive, but if Marvel became so powerful, they were like, um, Luca Guagadino, you get a Marvel movie. It gets to be R-rated, but it's part of our Marvel Dark <laughs> or something like that. Please. Or like one movie a year where they let some like lunatic do like, like let him do like a version of Suspiria with Black Widow or something like oh, that. Oh, dude, let Safdie direct a Punisher film. Yeah, yeah, let the Safties <laughs> take Punisher. Yeah. That would be good. That'd be great. I'd love that. Yes, and let Sandler play Punisher. <laughs> These are obvious things. Uh, these are. Come on, yeah, Marvel. Give I mean, us... Wouldn't that be cool if they... I mean, that That is kind of, of course, the end of the line in their complete cultural domination. Mm-hmm. That they just take over art films, too. 
but put Marvel characters in them. But at the same time, at least smart films would be getting made at a good budget. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. True. Yeah, it is like, yeah, it is like this thing where like, um, if you took like an amazing film and didn't just like, you know, plastered uh, uh, Ant-Man on it or whatever, like, is yeah. it still an amazing film? Yeah, that is. Yeah, I don't know. It is like one of those things where I guess like a little bit of my soul, would, but it's only a little bit of my soul. But it, like, it would still be like, it would be interesting if they like went into that realm where they were like, they, they want to like bridge a gap with all of the people who agreed with Martin Scorsese. Yeah, they're like bring them in because like they may not have. Yeah, I mean you know the like <laughs> Jane Campion say the other oh. day. It was so funny. <laughs> oh, what she's okay, good. I want to just like never direct a superhero movie. Why? Because they suck. <laughs> hell, <laughs> hell yeah, pimp! Fuck yeah, yeah. dude. Player, player, yeah. <laughs> I want to get Jane Campion a beer. Yeah, I know that it's, rules. <laughs> That's yeah. good. I love yeah, that. Does rule. Yeah. Uh, I mean, God bless her. That's hilarious. Um, another guy, though, although maybe, you know, Albert Brooks could be like, I'm surprised actually he hasn't been cast as like some like nefarious. Remember when Gary Shandling was in the Iron Man movies? That would, you know, it would be kind of the same deal. Oh, yeah. He would definitely be like a weird senator or like, yeah. A, yeah. Like they wouldn't, yeah, same, yeah. He wouldn't be Green Goblin. He wouldn't no, be. But like, he'd be like bankrolling Green Goblin or something like that. Yeah, he'd be on the board. He'd be one. Yeah. Of the, he'd be one of the guys that Green Goblin, Green Goblin, uh, like turned into green skeletons with his pumpkin bomb. Yeah, uh, yeah. I saw yeah. all those movies over Thanksgiving. By the way, they're fun. Oh, the Ramies. Oh yeah, the Ramies. They're good. Yeah. He he understood what it like, what a comic book felt like. Yeah, like a kid's comic book, not the the new ones that are like ostensibly for kids, but they're for like you, the kids, liberal suburban parents. They're you know, like, so. li- they're for me, which is not yeah. good. Like they are for like a 30 year old man. Like that's yeah. what they're, they're aimed for or a 30 year old woman. Some, sometimes like, yeah. yeah, they're fun. Yeah. So <laughs> back to looking for comedy. That was, <laughs> that was the superhero corner. Um, looking for comedy in the Muslim world. So I knew I was in good hands the second it opened with him going to a pitch meeting with Penny Marshall. That was good. Yeah. And he's playing himself. He's trying to get a part in her new movie. And they basically, without saying it, you know, say he's washed and he's, you know, he's out. And I was like, oh, good. He's playing himself. It's Hollywood. Yeah. And he's yeah. kind of, he's kind of, he, he sucks, but everyone else sucks just as much. Yeah. What was it they were looking for? Like the next Jimmy Stewart and they bring yeah. in yeah, Albert he's Brooks? Gonna Harvey. Yeah, he's going to do a Harvey remake. <laughs> it's like, no, I, it speaks to me. It's like, I don't know, Albert. <laughs> it might not be for you. Um, uh... So he doesn't get the part. He's a little lost. He goes home. Uh, his wife is played by the great Amy Ryan. Oh, great. Who stuff. has a very, very funny side game in this where she's clearly addicted to eBay. <laughs> yeah. She's purchasing like a chandelier. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, and, and he's concerned, but not concerned enough to really put his foot down and, and stop it from happening. That's good. That's uh, a recurring theme in his character, it feels like. <laughs> it's just, you know, you're just like with these opening scenes, you're like, okay. We're in Albert. We're in the zone. He's not doing some like 
like namby pamby post 9 11 liberal comedy or something like that we're gonna like there's no treacle yeah yeah we're 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 in the safe hands of our brilliant friend albert <laughs> so he then gets invited to dc somehow yeah. Oh, I, but by the way, we skipped the funniest oh. joke in the whole movie, in my opinion, where he's like, uh, I looked up Al Qaeda for like five <laughs> minutes. You think this because I get a letter in the mail and <laughs> like he's just like, which is like that joke resonates like we have, who among us hasn't like looked up something weird on your on your computer and has been like, oh, am I on a list now? Yeah, yeah. It's, it was my life ruined because I accidentally searched like uh, I don't know, like the JFK assassination or some shit. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we don't need to get into it, but I watched JFK Revisited. Oh, and I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll do a bonus episode. It, we we, we got to do an Oliver Stone season at some point <sighs> to really go down all of these uh, all of these rabbit holes with our man. Yeah. Uh, is there like another stone? Can we do a stone stone? Stone stone. Sharon Stone movies and all there we of the stone movies. Done. Done. And, there we and go. the movie Stone with with uh, Robert De Niro <laughs> and Edward Norton, where Edward Norton has cornrows. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I, I don't know how to, but I'll watch it. I'm in. I always like that was Robert De Niro's like choice, like sound clip. He's like, I made a lot of movies that people didn't really pay a lot of attention to that I think they should have, like Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Norton. I got to admit, Stone is pretty good. <laughs> oh my god! I uh, I'm gonna find. I, love it. I will have to find a picture of Edward Norton and Cornrows and post it on our. I never now. saw it. I actually did kind of want to see it when it came out, but um, again, like uh, Robert De Niro, I'm, I'm in the mix. People who could get called out for missing Stone. Um, <laughs> so Albert goes to Washington and he meets up with Fred Dalton Thompson, a truly American character. If there ever was one, mm-hmm. um, right wing Republican senator slash oh, yeah. character actor. <laughs> <laughs> it's an odd, uh, what an odd mix. Only, only in America. Only in America, folks. Oh, yeah. Truly, oh, only in America could you be like a senator in Tennessee, and then you're also like also a supporting- run air air traffic control in Die Hard Two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and be like, what was it like the DA and Law and Order? Or yeah, he was on Law and Order forever too. Insane. Yeah, only in America. You yeah, know. I, I, the only thing I comparable is like Manny Pacquiao being a boxing champion and also being like a psychotic governor in the Philippines. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Truly, it is. We are getting to that point where, like, increasingly, as Matt McConaughey, as Donald Trump has become president, Matt McConaughey might become, like, you know, a, a, the governor of Texas. Like, well, no, I, I, I was talking to my family this week for over Thanksgiving, and they did not like my cynicism when I was like, oh, if Trump runs again, there's only one person on the Democratic side who can defeat him. And they're like, who's that? I'm like, it's Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> He's the only person who can yeah. defeat Trump. But then the only person that can defeat Matthew McConaughey is The Rock. Yeah, <laughs> depending the, on, yeah, The Rock decides to like be a moderate Republican and they all become, although, I mean, uh, hey, it's baby steps and that would be better than what we have now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would actually just complete the, that would just complete the, that would be the end. That's kind of like where we're leading to is moderate public like you know like semi semi socially liberal fiscally conservative all the way 110 percent. that's just everyone yeah, yeah. that's just yeah. gonna be that's that's gonna be the gray goo we all live in which hey which is you know that's yeah just, 
Yeah. It's no, I mean, it's literally going to be, and it probably already is there. The the rich versus the poor. The the rich claim to be moderate, but continue to keep their heels da- down on the necks of the poor, and the poor react accordingly by hating everything. Yeah, deservedly. The yeah. Deserve, deservedly <laughs> yeah. so, even if some of the stuff is like the socially liberal stuff. Yeah. I mean, oh, and also, by the way, oh, I, think I, I, have, I have to say this, like in the last episode, I brought up like gay goopy, and like I don't <laughs> even think that like Disney, like after much thought about this, I don't even think Disney has like the stones to go like full gay goopy like that would actually be if they had the, the temerity and courage to make goopy gay <laughs> like that would actually be like because like it's such a big part like the most they would do is take like uh like harvey horse or like oswald the lucky rabbit like a side character and give him like a two-minute scene that they cut out of for like the the the, the chinese and other international releases that do not get yeah. of that goofy goofy has a nephew named boom yeah, and boom! Is dead. <laughs> that is it. Like a new character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's kind of damning that the only gay Marvel hero is is a fucking eternal. Like yeah, I know any but, of the Eternals. Yeah, any. Oh god, the ultimate insult. Like if you're an eternal, oh. like it's just an insult. Well, I mean, I they are my favorite superheroes, so I was ready. I knew it. I knew the entire story. Oh yeah, no, I love uh, Bongo and uh, Goombus and, and Doink. Yeah, Doink. Oh, I love. <laughs> Doink and yeah. Drew and Druig, everyone's yeah. favorite character, Druig. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you can't forget a uh, Pakalu and, and and Bing Bong. Bing Bong, yeah. Bing Bong. Oh, I love Bing Bong. His power yeah. to fly. All right, know. let us know uh, via email. If uh, you have any Eternals that you'd like to tell us about, please that we may have missed here. <laughs> well, anyone who sends us a uh, an email with the name of an Eternal, uh, real we'll, or fictional, yeah, real or fictional, we'll read it out. We'll read yeah. out your favorite Eternal character. That's the Academy Academy Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and that's the Academy Academy promise. Yes, <laughs> there we, ever was one. We stand the Eternals. We we yeah. we we stand Gomer Pile. We love yeah. them all. Rufus and yeah, R- Rafiki, yes. Rafiki and <laughs> of course uh Grungle. Grungle. Li- li- little Chops. We love cool. Little Chops. Little Chops is so cute. Like yeah. I want to get my baby like a Little Chops stuffed animal. Yeah, I love I love uh when he dies but then he comes back and he's Little Little Chops. Yeah, he's Little Little Chops. <laughs> yeah, and then he's an ornery teenager. Weirdly enough chop. though, he wasn't a tree before he died, but he came back as a tree. It's yeah, it's an illness. He has an illness. Well, anyway, <laughs> anyway, Fred Dalton Thompson wants, wants, wants to know if there's any jokes in the Muslim world, um, which this honestly does feel like something that they would run a committee on and spend way too much money on a project on mm-hmm. the U.S. government. It's like, but what do they laugh like us? <laughs> like. It is like the stupidest. Yeah, it is fun. It is like a da- it's a damning critique. It feels uh, it. All of it feels real. Yeah. Which is kind of brilliant, but it's also. But again, you feel like I am in really good hands with Albert Brooks here because mm-hmm. like he's going to do it. He's going to take it all the way. No one is going to there. Are no, nothing is going to be sacred. And um, so he gets sent to India 
mm-hmm. to do kind of a survey. Uh, one of the funnier running bits is that <laughs> he needs to write a report on what he finds. He asks how long the report is. It's 500 pages. And this is something that Albert cannot handle. <laughs> it's killing him. It's killing him. He, need, he needs, the page count is some is a fierce mountain that Albert will not be able to get, get across. <laughs> and so he goes to India. And, you know, I have to say, I mean, they dabble in a bit, but it does not go hard on the culture class jokes. Yeah, it is like, uh, it's not, uh, it's definitely more tasteful than what it could have been 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm imagining a version of this movie, for example, with, say, Jim Carrey in it or something, and, like, the insanity. It would have been a huge hit, as we learned in the news. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It would have been, yeah, it would have been Liar Liar too. It would have been great. Uh, But, uh, yeah, no, but, like, it's, uh, yeah, I think they you know, no, there is no like, boy, the food here is weird. That is Jokes. actually good. That's good. Like the closest they get to that are some like, uh, you know, like uh, phone jokes or whatever. Like, uh, yeah, but like, honestly, it is like pretty it's pretty ta- it's tasteful in that regard for the most part. Yeah, it, it, it for yeah, what it was and what time and what era it came out, it it succeeds in that regard. And yeah. it's because Albert keeps the focus on making fun of the ugly American, which is the only way to do yeah, comedy I was, in this kind of sense. I was actually going to say, like, honestly, the worst moments are kind of positioned on himself and, like, yeah. kind of demonstrate how much of an asshole he is. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, it should also be noted that if he does succeed at discovering what is funny in the Muslim world, he's going to get himself a medal. <laughs> This this matters greatly to our Albert Brooks. <laughs> he is like so stoked about getting the Medal of Freedom. Yeah, he's, he's like, <laughs> which is another like very very insidery thing of even like liberals post nine eleven wanting to like get in the game of like being praised as rad Americans. Oh yeah, John Kerry and his Purple Hearts, man. Yeah, yeah, hundred it, percent. It's it, it, and it is it kind of like so basically like what we find in this film is that. This idea of discovering other cultures or helping other cultures or intervening via military conflict, the basic theme I found in the film is that it really is completely about in one way or another self-aggrandizing America and like the the person within the United States. Mm-hmm. And so for all of Albert Brooks's like desire to like, oh, I'm going to really, I'm going to do a good job on this and really discover things. It is about getting a medal and being a hero. Yes. And being rad when he comes back home. Yes, yeah, be, being lauded as the Henry Kissinger of yeah, comedy. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the funniest cell phone anyone could write for <laughs> yeah, themselves. Yes, yes. Very good. <laughs> that rules. <laughs> it's so funny. And it all leads. So he, he has to interview people who just think he's a lunatic. Yeah. Um, the scene where he goes to Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera Mm-hmm. for the show oh jesus um, and they pitch him on a tv series called that darn jew is <laughs> as is so funny it's so funny it is like interesting oh god also the fact that he like decides to like wear like genie shoes to that <laughs> yeah. the, the stupidest shoe it is like that scene is like a scene where 
the fact that you know that Albert Brooks is like, it works so well because you know that Albert Brooks is playing a total nonce and he's like, this is going to be tasteful. Like the idea that he finds these insane shoes, like kind of like a tasteful love letter to India and Muslim culture is like, it's funny. It's really, it's insane. (laughs) Yeah. And he's just, and he dresses up, he immediately embraces and starts wearing all the local clothes. Um, It, but he it, so basically he's doing surveys and it all leads up to this big like I'm going to put on a stand up show. Yes. And he does actually a lot of his regular act that he did like in the 70s. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but no one gets it. And it's just so funny. And I think that that the fact that that improv bit works both in America as kind of making and is a complete failure in India, but it's so funny within the film because it shows how selfish he is. Mm-hmm. It, it, I was just dying. So basically he's like trying to teach improv to the crowd. And he's like, Hey, can I get some suggestions? And he's writing down on the chalkboard. But then like, as he's going through his improv, he's like, you know what would be better? And he just changes to every one of the audience's suggestions into something that <laughs> works better for him. <laughs> oh, totally. So uh, good. Yeah. So funny. Well, what's interesting too, is like, uh, later on, uh, John Carroll Lynch's character, uh, says, <laughs> Yeah, he, he's like that. That was like a meta joke. He's like, and and you realize that like the joke was him like doing that, yeah. even though it was improv. And uh, it's like a, uh, it's almost like a critique on like he just just even his first joke in this, the whole like uh, Halloween without candy or where the Gandhi, yeah, yeah, like like no one knows what Halloween is in India. Like that's yeah. not a, that's not a holiday celebrated. There. And what's so funny about like the improv one, he does that in the seventies. Like the intellectual comedy crowd is like he's brilliant, yeah, he's a genius. He's breaking, but he does that in two thousand five. The exact same thing for that audience. But he looks like an ugly American who's being an asshole. And it's funny again in a completely different way. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's a great, he's, it's, the layers are kind of nuts. <laughs> yeah, and you're right, too, to have John Carroll Lynch as being like this State Department guy who also. Who loves him. Who loves comedy. Yeah. And can break down all of Albert Brooks's jokes, why they didn't work for the audience, is another level. Like yeah! this movie is so much smarter and funner than <laughs> got credit for. And as usual, I mean, Albert Brooks has done it. He's got a perfect catalog in the same vein that James Cameron has a perfect catalog for action sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Albert Brooks has got the perfect seven comedy movies. Yeah. It is kind of like insane that uh, he, I, he has no misses. It's kind of wild. He's, he's absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. And this one. So basically it's just kind of him blundering his way through India, but yeah. they're also planting the seeds because he's trying to go over to Pakistan and do comedy. Yeah. And anyone who has ever followed the news knows that things can be a bit tense between India and Pakistan. And because of that, we're getting these like kind of these news footage is popping up and there's like this like return of the living dead style boardroom. That's monitoring uh, and, and how Albert Brooks might be through his bad jokes <laughs> start, could possibly starting an international conflict. Um, 
<laughs> and he ends up crossing the border to Pakistan. He gets high over there and has yeah. a great time. <laughs> I want to teach him how to smoke a hookah. Like, yeah. that, that wasn't insane. Well, <laughs> my guess is that was the first time Albert Brooks was ever handed a hookah. Oh, it was totally. right before they said act, before yeah. he yelled action. <laughs> um, but because he has to secretly cross over because he's so selfish that he he's like, I could do it. I could, this will be great for my report. It'll get me my medal. Yeah, this is important. without thinking twice about secretly crossing the border into Pakistan is a bad idea. Like, mm. like I, this is before Zero Dark Thirty, <laughs> you know. But I could have told you that. Uh, and so, all of a sudden, Albert has to get rushed out of the country mm-hmm. because he may have started international conflict. He's got what four pages. Yeah. Even with the padding on his report. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's not going to get a medal, which breaks his heart. Yeah. Oh, and he like, yeah, he inadvertently causes a <laughs> war, or at least a skirmish between India and... <laughs> possibility of a skirmish. And leading up to our truly biting and brilliant ending, which is Amy Ryan throws him a welcome home party with all of his friends. I was really disappointed James L. Brooks wasn't at the party. That would have really tied it all together for me. Yeah. But um, to show what a hero Albert is. <laughs> and he's taking all of the praise in. He's like, it really was hard. But we did a great job. Yeah, we understood them. We understood them completely. As the camera slowly pans over to the TV that's on in the kitchen that is showing there India and Pakistan are going to war. <laughs> and um, oh, as we all know, it started by Albert Brooks as he's taking the praise for what a wonderful job he did in intervening in international affairs. He himself critiquing the Iraq war in one of the most brilliant ways possible and any of the art that came out in this era, if you ask me at least. Like, and of course, nobody went and saw it because precisely because it is such a biting satire. And we got one of the one of the great Albert Brooks postscript text lines. Yeah, I actually like this is one of the few times where I like it that they kind of like because it would be so grim if like it did yeah. actually end with like a full on nuclear war between India and Pakistan. He, you know, it ends with a joke making fun of him. Yes. Once again. Oh, and yeah. it's it brings you back to Lost in America brings mm-hmm. you back to modern romance mm-hmm. and he still got it he hasn't softened the blow at all and i mean it would be wonderful if he could make more movies but if he doesn't he has a really like we've talked about it the last few episodes but if you are a novice stalber brooks mm-hmm. just dive in the pond start from the top yeah watch them all you'll I- have a great time and it all like I think like the the order is kind of perfect. Just start yeah. from the beginning, go through, and you get to kind of see him like evolve, find himself, and then kind of take his codified persona and apply it to like various situations. And it's always kind of uh, interesting, and uh, it's, it's he's unique. He, he is like he, a unique. I mean, he goes through voice. everything too: the entertainment industry, family, relationships parents and finally an international incident yeah and and what's beautiful is like he recognizes the only way that you can make a movie like this work in any capacity is that if you make yourself the asshole to 
to the extent of your uh your your goofy attempts at uh trying to ascertain uh, whether in a thousand million you know like one of the oldest cultures ever like you know what i mean because like everywhere has comedy like this is insane like it's an insane premise to begin with but the movie knows it's an insane premise satire is a dangerous thing and because you can turn it into mockery very very fast and it's a thin line and the people who do it the best whether it's albert brooks or the first the first four mckay and farrell films uh anchorman mm-hmm. ricky bobby Step Brothers, and uh the one with mark Wahlberg, the other guys um mm-hmm. they make fun of their lead characters mm-hmm. most of all like ricky bobby's not you know ricky bobby's making fun of ricky bobby yeah 100 percent. you know and like or the privilege to the two privileged stepbrothers mm-hmm. in stepbrothers you know it's or that you know but it's just they're not taking a bite out of anybody. You you gotta aim. You gotta kick high rather yeah. than kick low. Yeah. And yeah. Albert understands that completely. Mm-hmm. As we know, looking for comedy in Muslim world, sadly, or maybe you know, if Tarantino would tell you, don't stick around for too long. That's why you know his whole old filmmakers kind of mm-hmm. argument. So maybe Albert Brooks like got out when the going was good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that was that. Um, you know, because Albert has not directed since. He's, of course, acted in many, many things. We w- we're going to talk next week a bit mm-hmm. about their um, post-directorial careers for each mm-hmm. of our each of our guys here. It should be it should be noted too, and it comes up a lot in Looking for Comedy in the Muslim World. Uh, between the Muse and Looking for Comedy, Albert Brooks wasn't finding Nemo, which is probably the greatest success in a mainstream fashion of his career. Oh, he's it's so funny that. He's probably still dining on. I wonder, like, if he, he must still get like residuals He's out the wazoo. Probably for that. more famous for that than mm-hmm. anything else today. Yeah. Well, it's like a yeah, it's a testament to that, like when he is like in India, like having a conversation yeah, with people, like yeah, he's the fish, man. which yeah. is like, uh, <laughs> it is, and that's actually believable because that movie was like insanely popular. Yeah, that I mean, the, the gigantic hit, like yeah. All the what it made at the box office, probably all seven of Albert Brooks's directorial films combined did oh, not yeah. make that. It was like, yeah, it was like the movie that every like new like a uh, infant watched from like it was like the DVD that every family owned from 2003 to 2007. Yeah. Until Frozen came out. It was yeah. the one. Yep, It was like but, Finding Nemo, Cars, Frozen. And we'll get into it next week. He has had a very, very interesting character actor run. Mm-hmm. in the years following looking for comedy in the Muslim world. But jumping over to our other Brooks, JLB, uh, coming off of Spanglish, which we all know. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll talk about if it all do anything or Spanglish is the least successful movie mm-hmm. we've watched yeah. in this run. Um, maybe starting over could be thrown in that mix too, but starting over yeah. is at least weird. Yeah, I think uh, like also it benefits from being like a 70s period. Like, I don't, like there's just something interesting about watching a film from that era for me that makes it a little more uh, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, the 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 Iraq's spice is a little bit higher. Yeah, <laughs> the spice levels are higher. Spice levels are a bit higher. We're seeing our futures when we watch starting over. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah. <laughs> Dark. Oh, that was grim. My eyes are blue. 
Yeah, you're going to have a panic attack on a department store mattress. So it took another uh, six years for James L. Brooks to reemerge. Of course, he's still doing The Simpsons at this time. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they and The Simpsons movie does come out between Spanglish and How Do You Know? We are covering The Simpsons movie next week, though, to mm-hmm. kind of cover it to finish the finish it up and uh writing credit on the simpsons movie for james l brooks um he looks like though that was pretty much kind of what he was doing during that time period between that and how do you know how do you know of course is his next movie and um boy here we go let's do the stats first uh (laughs) written produced and directed by james l brooks we should also mention we haven't yet uh richard marks has edited every single James L. Brooks movie, a key partner in the James L. Brooks universe. Hans Zimmer returned for the music on this one. Uh, Janusz Kaminski, Steven Spielberg's cinematographer, <laughs> shot this one. And we will talk about kind of the, the glorious glossiness of this movie <laughs> in just a moment here. Uh, the movie stars Reese Witherspoon, Owen Wilson, Paul Rudd, and Jack Nicholson in kind of the main four roles. Um, key key supporting role, though, for uh, Catherine Hahn. Mm-hmm. And also, we should mention uh, Gili Survivor, Lenny Venito. Yeah! I, <laughs> I saw him come in there, and I was like, oh, hey, buddy, you're still kicking. Good for you. Yeah, he was on life support after Gili, but... <laughs> <laughs> They took that bit of the brain out of the fishbowl and put it back in. I know. And you know what? His scene in this movie, I liked. He's a good actor. I like. He's a good actor. I like. I like him too. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I hope let's let's get a a Kickstarter. We need to get we need to get Lenny Benito in like a good movie. Let's or at least or at least on our show to talk about these two movies. Oh man, we could do that. I'm gonna email him. Yeah, I'd love to get Lenny on the show because we're fans. Yeah. Hey, I liked him when he was in that uh, one movie, like the Knights of the Round Table or whatever. There were the Knights of Excellence. It was like a, mm. an ABC show that lasted like 13 episodes with like him and Kevin Michael Richardson. It was really funny. Yeah. Like uh, Kevin Michael Richardson in a rare live action role. Usually he's like a <laughs> VO guy. So, yeah, no. But uh, also appearing Dean Norris from Breaking Bad is yeah. a scene. Uh, Tony Shalhoub drops in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominic Lombardarzi Lombando- Oh, I'm sorry, it's Dominic. Hard, it's, it's a hard uh, one. Well, we like you. We oh, like yes. you every time you show up, whether it's the, the Miami Vice or The Wire or anything in between. We're fa- Irishman. He's an Irishman too. Yeah. Oh, Dominic uh, Lombardozzi. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's hard. It's hard. Mar- Mark Lynn Baker from Perfect Strangers, cousin Larry, uh, who we've, of course already worked with uh, Bronson Pinchot, Balky, and Beverly Hills Cop a few weeks ago yeah. uh, and Andrew Wilson one of the Wilson brothers shows up as one of the teammates uh, so much like the previous James L. Brooks movies going back to all do anything <sighs> plot wise this is a little less succinct than some of our Albert Brooks joints in trying to explain what is happening in this movie um, Reese Witherspoon is our lead she plays Sid Jorgensen uh, U.S. softball team member and uh, kind of seems to be the heart of the team based on the fact that um, all of her teammates seem to live in the same house as her only to support her 
I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> the coaches on the team also seem to all be very, very concerned about her well-being and her dating life um, in general. <laughs> it is very weird how, like, okay, one reason why I think this movie doesn't uh, isn't as successful uh, as his, well, some of his more previous, like, you know, his big heavy hitters, his, your terms of endearments and, like, broadcast news. Is I think, especially broadcast news, this is the movie I think it shares the most DNA with. Yeah. Uh, broadcast news does such a great job of integrating the work with the romance in a believable fashion. And the this world, mo- it makes sense. Yes. And it's believable. This, it's, uh, and I, it, unfortunately, uh, nothing feels as integrated properly and and it's a bummer that like the like because like softball is her life like her character it should be her life and i feel like she barely talks about it or even cares about it that much like especially by like the second half of the film the movie opens with literally from broadcast news a shot of her as a child yes beating boys at softball which what an interesting theme she should be, there should be so many scenes of her just, like, doing softball stuff. And I like, mean, if they had written her like the Holly Hunter character in broadcast news, I mean, he could have even, like, if he wanted to, it's not the, it's, I mean, it's not the most creative thing. He could have mapped it. He could have done the same fucking thing if he felt like it. He could have remade it, and uh, I would have been satisfied. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's like, you know, and against my uh, better, gen- you know, that's kind of like where my brain goes, right? It's like, okay, Owen Wilson, clearly the William Hurt. Paul Rudd, clearly the Albert Brooks. Yeah, yeah. Holly Hunt, yeah. And it's like, uh, but, you know, like, uh, it's just, it's not, it's in, to the film's credit, it's not, like, odious. Like, it's not, like, Spanglish. It's not, no, like, No, there's a... nothing hateful in this movie. No, it's, 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 it's a, breezy. It's a, it's a breezy movie, almost to a fault. Yeah, it's definitely, like, a, um, if I were to watch this on an airplane, I'd be like, oh, all right, this is cool. So, full disclosure, I was kind of, my parents are into it. <laughs> I went out for, uh, and my brother, we went out for drinks the night before I watched this movie. So, I was, like, <laughs> I got up first thing in the morning, and I was kind of hungover, and I was drinking coffee. And I was like in, I was into the movie. <laughs> like that it, is I, had, I had full scale, like airplane movie vibes. Cause I was like, I'm feeling it. Cause I'm like, my head's not totally working right now. My <laughs> stomach's kind of upset. I'm like, but you know what? I'm rooting for these guys and this gal to find their way. Um, oh, that's nice. See, I think the problem is, is I was watching this movie like uh, over two nights uh, yeah. in, the, in the cold dark in my room uh and like with my headphones on while my parents are asleep because uh, i was like oh, i don't want to like make my parents watch how do you know i can't do this i can't throw this on my family yeah i yeah i think my mom would have liked it yeah i think I, my mom would have liked this movie yeah and like there are charming like i truly like owen wilson's performance <laughs> in the movie i think it's actually really interesting and good it, uh, yeah, so we, we, we did bury the lead here, though. This movie was released in 2010. Um, the budget on this movie, which is probably the most important thing to think about. This is the ludic- this is ludicrous. <laughs> this movie cost $120 million to produce. Um, Jesus Christ. Everyone got their rate. James L. Brooks was paid $10 million. Reese Witherspoon was paid fifteen million. Jack Nicholson was paid twelve million. Insane. Owen Wilson was paid ten million, and Paul Rudd a measly three. 
Uh, poor Paul. Although that's still probably the biggest, uh, that's probably the most money he's ever made at that point. At perhaps. that point, yes, at that point. But I, I would be willing to venture he would probably charge more than anyone. Maybe not Reese, but I bet, I bet he's charging over ten million these days. Yeah, I, uh, dude, he just he's got the he, sexiest man alive. Yeah, he's the sexiest. Yeah. He's Mr. Ghostbusters Afterlife. <laughs> He's sexy, sexy, sexy Ghostbuster. He's the okay. sexy one. Here's my conspiracy theory. I think that People Magazine made him the sexiest man as a way to like advertise. Promote Ghostbusters? Yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. That's yeah. like, that's all that is. That's 100% yeah. what that is. Yeah, I mean, boy, asterisks. Asterisks next to that. It's like performance enhancing drugs. 100%. Although... Dude's still hot. He's a, he's a hunk. I mean, yeah, good for him. Yeah, I, I mean, we all like him. Yeah, you we know, like his... him. We like him. But yeah, oh, hundred percent. Like they gotta. <laughs> it's like very buns. It's like yeah, take away the. You gotta take away. Although you know what, they should let Barry Bonds into the major. Maybe you should get let the hunks. Let the hunks have HGH. Uh, I, you know what? I, I I if we're talking the baseball Hall of Fame here, sounds yeah. like we're getting into it. Let them all in. Yes. Let them all. Who cares? Yeah, like motherfucker, <laughs> like Ty Cobb had fucking nails in his feet. Shoes. Yeah, he like, was a racist monster. No, oh, he's perfect. Evil, an evil man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, totally. Like, he can't. Yeah, like, he's a bad guy. He's yeah, he's like, an like, evil man. He's a legitimately bad guy. Yeah, yeah. and so. Uh, brought to life wonderfully by Tommy Lee Jones in the film Cobb. Cobb yeah. yeah oh my god! When when Tommy Lee won Best Supporting Actor for The Fugitive, I was a big Fugitive fan, so that was where I was at at that Academy Awards. I was like, "Go Fugitive!" Uh, and he showed up on stage bald because he was for Cobb. I was like, "What's going on with Tommy Lee's hair?" I was as a, like a ten year old. I was very concerned. I was like, "What? What is this? What he really looks like?" <laughs> that is that is like a, a bald. Bald Lee Jones is a terrifying because I don't remember that part. I guess like he must have wore a wig and cut. Yeah, I'm not sure, but he was bald or he was doing another one. I don't know. That's still horrifying. That is like an image I don't see like evil Mr. Clean that looks like in my head. Yeah, and around the same time I saw JFK and he's doing that scene where he's like gold and he's dancing around. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, boy, acting is weird, man. Yeah. (laughs) There's a, uh, a lot more to it. I just thought he was chasing down Harrison Ford, who didn't kill his wife. Um, but yeah, so $50 million mm-hmm. of the budget went just to kind of the top of the line people. This one, James L. Brooks started work on it in 2005, five years before it was released. He wanted to write a film about a female athlete. Uh, and then Somehow, after and he interviewed hundreds of hours of research of interviewing female athletes for this. And additionally, he became interested in the dilemmas of contemporary business executives who are sometimes held accountable by the law for their corporate behavior, of which they may not even be aware, which is very interesting to take the side of the CEO <laughs> when their company does something. Yeah, deeply odd. A deeply odd deeply decision. Odd. Um, the filming finished in November of 2009, but there was extensive reshoots to both the opening and ending of the movie. Uh, also, post-production was slow and meticulous. Patrick, you read an article with um, one of the yeah, like- stars of the film uh, who's barely in the movie, uh, mm-hmm. who plays one of Reese Witherspoon's teammates. Her, another classic depressing bleak trope the 
supportive black best friend yeah in it all is, of these yeah. movies who has no inner life other than to say boy reese you're you got it tough <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah nothing yeah no uh no inner inner life they no. did it perfectly in that amy poehler um paul rudd movie the one show walter and wayne did they came together where amy poehler had a friend like that who they played it up completely <laughs> where they're like <laughs> i have no life <laughs> you know <it's, laughs> Oh god, I'm here so to good. I'm here to support you. <laughs> like I mean Dave Chappelle plays that part in You've Got Mail to Tom Hanks. Oh weird. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. And obviously a trope that should be completely and utterly eliminated. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a bad yeah, like either make them the lead or give them you know just or or make sure write write every character well. <laughs> yeah, that they have some level of inner inner life other than to support our other characters unfortunately at the box office this made 48.7 million um making this uh, apparently one of the biggest box office flops of all time mm-hmm. compared uh budget and advertising compared to actual finish um up to the title though what the hell is this movie it doesn't know it would have had a question mark if uh, um Thirty-one percent. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes score. How do you know about a quartet of likable leads, and they deserve better than this glib, overlong misfire from writer-director James L. Brooks. Um, Todd McCarthy, The Hollywood Reporter. Interesting. A low-impact romantic comedy drama from James L. Brooks, in which the set of characters are strangely disconnected from one another as well as from the audience. Um. Peter DeBruge of Variety wrote, how do you know when the spark is gone, when your latest romantic comedy feels like, looks like TV, feels like greeting card poetry, and sounds like a self-help manual? Ooh, uh uh-oh. Roger Ebert, nothing heats up. The movie doesn't lead us. It simply stays in step. Richard Corliss of Time noted that the noted the negative reviews and responded, yeah, well, I still like the film, which I would say is kind of my review. Of the movie it's like yeah well i kind of enjoyed myself <laughs> yeah it's like um you know what uh it's probably like in the uh four out of ten on a bad day six out of ten on a good day range yeah i mean it's not the train wreck that i'll do anything is like the kind of like almost unlike like confusing nature of i'll do anything Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not miscast necessarily. Like I'll do anything is like no, Nick Nolte no, no. is just not breezy. He's not a breezy guy for what's no. needed there. Um, it's not as kind of for it's it's not as strange as as good as it gets either. And it doesn't have the odious. No one is odious as Melvin. Mm-hmm. It is interesting seeing like um, the Jack Nicholson character, like the softening. Of that character, I actually kind of liked the fact that he was rooting for his dumb son. Yeah, I thought it was very sweet. Like, yeah, yeah, like there are moments in there are moments in this movie. Um, Unlike, and then going, and it's just not as hateful as Spanglish. Mm -hmm. Just period. I mean, Spanglish is brutal by comparison. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a slug. I feel like Spanglish is like in some ways like. Yeah, just not a fun film to go through. It's a rough, rough movie. Um, And interestingly enough, uh, Bill Murray was the original choice for the Jack Nicholson role. 
in a little bit of side casting. Mm. Again, another one where Bill dodged a bullet. <laughs> yeah, um, honestly. Yeah, he, uh, you know, glad he went with Zombieland. Uh, he's, he's in Aloha, which I would say comparable to how do you know? Oh, man, um, that's so funny. Aloha is definitely like a... J- J- Cameron C- Crowe shares a lot of DNA with James L. Brooks. He does, yeah. Oh, and, and uh, he's Jerry Maguire. He's, he's, well, if Jerry Maguire and say anything, he's a mentee. Yeah. Of James L. Brooks. And I would love to do a Cameron Crow season as well. I'd love to talk about those C- ones. Counting Crows. Counting Crows. Oh, do we already have a title? Oh. I think we do. I think we do. <laughs> All right. Send us an email if you want us to do that before the next bracket. We're in. <laughs> we'll do it. We don't yeah. care. We're doing we it. We don't care. This show is anarchy. Yes. Um, speaking of anarchy, though, the plot to this movie. Uh. Um so Reese Witherspoon plays Lisa Jorgensen, champion U.S. softball player. Um, but she's getting a little long in the tooth. Yeah. I guess. She's like 31, that's like the cutoff or whatever. No, no one would know because Reese Witherspoon does not look like a softball player and she is lit like a golden goddess throughout this oh, yeah. entire film. She, she that is like, yeah. You feel as if she is made of gold and... Um, you know floats when she walks oh yeah no she's like yeah dr manhattan like just like she see she seems supernaturally beautiful in this Mm -hmm. movie and does that help when she has to play like a gritty tough like because she's like she seems like she's not one of these like she's not barry bonds of softball she's more of like the Derek jeter intangibles kind Mm -hmm. of softball player so she's gritty yeah uh it should be like if this movie was a little more honest. It should be like the Molly Price character in the uh, in in the role that she was in, maybe. Yeah, uh, Coach Sally. Yeah, Coach Sally, uh, which is kind of a fun character. She's kind of fun, but very funny too. It's like, but Lisa, we've got thirteen people on this. I only care about. You. Do you think she had a crush on Lisa? <laughs> I think I they do. do. I think she did. I think they did. Yeah. And like, uh, cowards. Cowards. Let, let, cowards. Let's do them, it. Let them. Let Coach Sally live her life. Yeah. Yeah. Cowards. <laughs> yeah. Like the ins and outs of the U.S. female softball team would have been so neat. What a cool story. I've never yeah. seen that before. Do yeah, literally. God, you nailed the hammer. The, God, I keep saying I nailed, nailed the it. hammer. I nailed you, it. You nailed you put a na- hammer in the nail. Uh, yeah. but you, 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 you put you hit the nail in the head with like your take about it. This should have been broadcast news for sports. Yeah. Easily. Okay. Would have been so, so good. Because simultaneously, so Lisa's on the line to get cut from the softball team. Mm-hmm. Uh, simultaneously, she meets Maddie Reynolds, uh, a pitcher for the Washington Nationals, played by Owen Wilson, who, in the exact same vein as Reese Witherspoon, does not really look like much of a baseball player, mm-hmm. but he's lit like a golden god. <laughs> and so uh, Owen looks great. He looks he looks healthy. He's everyone has great tan in this movie. Yeah. Like, there was no all expenses were paid on making everybody look like a thousand bucks or or fifteen million bucks in most of their cases. Well, like the thing about like Owen Wilson too is like he has like um there's like personality and character to him in general. Like there's like a depth yeah. that he brings to like even like lesser roles he can kind of elevate with his Wilsonness. He's one of those actors. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I I'm a, I'm a big fan. 
of Owen Wilson just in general. I like I, I'm always happy to see him in any movie, whether it's, you know, returning to Wes Anderson movies or like little things like when his bit in Inherent Vice, I thought was really good. Oh, yeah. No, he was great in that. Yeah. And so was hey, Reese Witherspoon was in Inherent Vice, too. Um, and she was good in that, too. Uh, so she begins and he is um, a self-centered ladies man. But because he's Owen Wilson, he's kind of like fun and breezy about it. He's not dark and evil about it. Mm. And so you're like, oh, he, and, and like his attempts at trying to be like a monogamous regular boyfriend are all kind of funny because he can't help himself half the time. You sent me that photo of him running around with his barbecue. Yeah, that was a very silly. Also, by the way, that barbecue is like they don't. OK, so. <laughs> That's like something you would get at like fucking Luby's. Like, like actually, I saw that and I was like, he got like, and it's like chicken. I think, like, this, yeah, get out of here. Yeah, and yeah, it's 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 weird. <laughs> it was um, very silly. I did not realize he was a pitcher. No. For again, this gets to like all this work on the sports stuff, and it's just like so surfacey. It sucks. That it, that it, does it, sink. Yeah. It doesn't like. He made the news seem very important mm-hmm. in broadcast news and like why these people would care about the news. Like it does. It just seems removed from everything because on the flip side of that, um, there's another storyline going on where we meet George Madison played by Paul Rudd, who <sighs> we were joking about this before we went on works in business. Like what business? No specifics whatsoever. It's just like general, like big business. Um, and we find out he is um, being investigated by the government. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's so nebulous and unclear. I feel like I rewatched that like initial scene like three times. And I still didn't quite get. And it it's could just have been just because it was late at night. Another weird know. thing about like, you know, we talked about we talk about Michael Mann all the time, mm-hmm. like all of his movies, like with James Caan and Thief, it's like, man, I feel like I could like, I know what it's like to be like a diamond thief or like in the insider. Like I know what it's like to work at 60 minutes, you know, or heat. I know what it's like to be a tenacious psychotic LA cop. Um, I have no idea what Paul Rudd even does for a living. Other yeah. than like business, like rich business guy. Yeah, he works <laughs> at the business company. That's yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, and and it's just like, or even with softball though, it would have been really rad to learn some really specific details. Yeah. Of like, or even like, I mean, I know baseball. I know professional baseball. You know, as a you know fan or whatever, but it would have been cool to see like what Owen Wilson was going through as 100%. a baseball player. Like, or, like, have them concurrently. I think, like, this movie, I wonder if this movie would have been better if, like, every one of the cast members worked under the same, like, if Maddie Reynolds was, like, a weird, like, Coach Lothario instead of, like, a pitcher for, like, the Nationals, and if Paul Rudd was, like, the accountant or something. Like, if they were all part of the same operation. Yeah, or, or even, like, reverse. Like, you know, Reese Witherspoon works for the Washington Nationals or whatever. Well, I think, like, if what if Reese was still really, really good mm-hmm. at softball and her career is on the rise? And yeah. Owen is a baseball player who's now coaching softball who still wants to get back into baseball, and he can't accept that he's done 
career wise. And like, I, you know, I, I think this one is putting the personal relationships over the career. Yeah. Whereas broadcast news was career over the personal relationships. And I think the career makes the stakes feel a little bit higher. Yes. Well, because you're in that movie, it's so clear that their careers are their lives. And is that good? It's left a little yeah, ambiguous exactly. if that's a good thing that they're yeah. yeah. And honestly, like the stakes, uh, that would be even more interesting fodder for a film like this because you understand the stakes of news. Like people need news, they need to like learn about the world. Hopefully, but, honest like, news. Yeah, hopefully on none of that fake shit. Mm. Get out of there with that fake shit. Yeah, we, but, we don't we don't subscribe to fake news on this show. Yeah, only only Newsmax for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, only <laughs> only Newsmax. Listen, if my uncle did not forward me a link to an article, <laughs> yeah. it ain't true. It ain't true. Yeah, if it yeah, if it's if, if it's not a if it isn't a thought endorsed by Lyndon LaRouche, get it yeah. out of here. Yeah, I subscribe <laughs> to UncleNews.com. <laughs> Well, you know, and it, their tagline is, well, you know, he wasn't born here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but what, what what's really going on in this movie is that George is the second in command at their business company, the business mm-hmm. company, uh, to his dad, Charles, who's played mm-hmm. by Jack Nicholson, Jack and Paul Rudd, uh, wonderful actors with great chemistry and great yeah. charisma, nice. look, look like they could never be related to one another in a million years. No. <laughs> Paul Rudd is a hunk made in a lab. Jack Nicholson is like a, a very interesting, like unique looking individual. Like, and it's a cool, like, his look is, like, very specific. And see, here's, they should, I'm trying to think of who they should have cast, like, because I feel like Paul Rudd's a little miscast. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, can we put a pause? Well, we're back. We had a oh. delay. Delay a game. Mm. 9 a.m. boys and now the 10 p.m. boys. Ooh, <laughs> 9 to 10. Jen just hollered from the background because my entire family is knows the question and wants to know the answer. Was Paul Rudd miscast? And how do you know? Uh, that's we left off, folks. From bated breath. Oh my gosh. I mean, like, do you remember you guys remember the television show Lost? This is like every episode of Lost. Yeah, a Save Penny did was Paul Rudd miscast everyone that's uh, sweeping the nation was Paul Rudd miscast mania. It's like, it's like we're gonna open the hatch and we're gonna find Jeremy Renner. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's nice. Um, Although he it's funny, like I was initially against that, but the more I think about it, he kind of shares like He's like also like a bit of a weirdo, like Jack. He's multi talented. I mean, actor, yeah. musician, renovator. Yeah, he... app guy. Yeah, app guy. <laughs> he has yeah. a weird app. <laughs> I love it. I love that Jeremy Renner had more. I want Steve Buscemi to have an app. I want. <laughs> he is such like a strange choice to decide. You know what? I'm a brand, and I'm, people are gonna really like be into me yeah i'm on par with beyonce <laughs> or like yeah, yeah. It's like or willie nelson like, must be like what the guy from the town 
Yeah, like the third lead in the town. Yeah, he was good. I mean, I, I thought he deserved that Academy Award nom, but uh, I don't know if I need an app from yeah. him. I mean, I guess I kind of keep up with the films he's in. I, mean, I think Paul Rudd would have a more successful app. Yes. Than Jeremy Renner. Yes, I would. He would be funny and cheeky about it. Yeah, he was like, you know, you click on something like ordering a cheeseburger from Uber and it would like go in and he'd, go, and he'd just pop up go I mean if the app was like his great uh, Tim and Eric sketch where it's just you know weird dancing Paul Rudd's count me yeah or when he or that part where Janine Garofalo wants him to do work in Wet Hot American <laughs> Summer he like sulks off uh that is like maybe super funny yeah Uh, you know and on those notes i mean he is he's he's a very clearly a multi-talented guy and oh he's great uh, one of the great one of the fun screen like anytime he pops up you're like oh this will be a nice time um yeah you go you go i'm not sure if i I agree oh interesting see i'm he was fine i think he was fine i think you know what i think he's fine maybe it's also because i saw him in uh i'll tell you what i saw ghostbusters afterlife uh recently and i'll tell you what, i liked him in that movie he was very good and i think it was like seeing him in that movie and that kind of worked more for me i just like i have a hard time believing him to be like a like a nerd i don't know i think that's my thing i think it's just like it's a tough but like he's a good actor like it's fine it's like and it's also like with this movie anyone can have that role for the most part like yeah i don't know it's fine yeah i mean you know i i think that the the one thing though i, I wanted to see him end up with her like i enjoyed mm-hmm. him and her together and this does bring me to an interesting point though that like their pop cultural reference that brings them together that he recommends to her is kramer versus kramer um, that is long time listeners of the podcast know we we're well aware of kramer versus kramer it's a canonical film in the academy is, academy universe that, that, that is honestly like one of our er texts at this yeah. point <laughs> a, a key text to understanding all of our jokes and kind of what yeah. we're after here the old says our genesis <laughs> some would say you know if you're looking digging back through time and you're like you know Discover the Arthurian texts, Aeolwulf, yeah. things of that nature. <laughs> yeah, In the Academy, a- Academy, you're just fi- you find an old DVD of the French Lieutenant's Woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just the, the script was written in Old English. <laughs> still was weird we still didn't know what jeremy irons was up to (laughs) uh man we should one day we should um do a bonus episode where we like go back on Uh, yeah some of these yeah some weird reappraisals for better or for weirder i also was inspired paul rudd when he loses all of his money in this he moves into an apartment that reminds me distinctly of julie pal's apartment from julie and julia Oh, it is like very in the sense that like it's an insanely except because when rich people write movies about poor people, all (laughs) they do, it seems, are struggle and live above pizza parlors in an outer borough. Oh, man. <laughs> that is the story of less, the lesser folks. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I saw, t- okay, so I saw two movies during the interim. I saw Drive and then I saw Tick, Tick, Boom. And <laughs> Tick, Tick, two different movies. Totally two movies that couldn't be more different. But, yeah. uh, but good uh, double feature. Oh, yeah. Good double. A lot of recurring themes. Uh, isolation. Uh, 
inability to connect uh, musical theater murder murder <laughs> yeah uh, but uh like it was funny seeing andrew garfield uh in a huge you know he's like the suffering artist and like he is in this like really nice new york the classic new york city uh nice apartment with so many like beautiful huge uh windows <laughs> did you see somebody tweeted out there like man really makes you think with with Stephen Sondheim gone, we would if without Stephen Sondheim, we never would have had Lin Manuel or Jonathan Larson. <laughs> somebody was uh, like, the, somebody below was just the next tweet down was like the man's barely dead. Don't denigrate him like that. Yeah, that's like come on, man, low blow. Wait, wait a wait a wait for the body to cool, sir. <laughs> yeah, I know. Wait for the body to cool. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, all I thought when I saw that, I was like, wait, did the guy who made Far Side? also make rent <laughs> that's very, very funny <laughs> which would be great different larsons different larson different I... larson that's gary uh it's gary huh um, uh, oh and then just to bring it back to gary marshall yeah uh he worked he 100 worked in like the uh frankie and johnny bar or the restaurant like netta should have showed up i was and my in my head canon jonathan larson took netta's job yeah well i mean you know in movies and set in new york you know you've got the diner you know you've got the apartment over the pizza parlor you know you've got the subway you know (laughs) it's uh, all of it make it the greatest city in the world and we know that i mean gosh and always a character always the third lead in all of these movies oh yeah uh speaking of that too i was not necessarily certain where this movie took place oh really because that i think that's part of why it's expensive like because it's dc yeah but it's so and it feels like new york does it not it, no, it like totally, the way they shoot it feels like it's New York. It's kind of crazy how uh, clearly and not clearly it's an insane because it's clearly like a place that's like not L.A. And you have all these like outdoor shots in a place that's not unlike other. But it feels like they are trying their damnest to make it because I feel like they're always going to like brownstones and they go it's like is this like the one like apartment with like a doorman in all of washington D- or is that a normal know, thing there? there there was a part too in um when she went home i was like this is a hell of an apartment in new york for a softball salary i was like oh insane. That, makes, that makes a lot more sense yeah because i mean he plays for the washington nationals but i'm like just because you're on the Olympic national team for softball does not mean you live in Washington, D.C. Yeah, all Michael Phelps, Washington, D.C. guy. You know, all yeah. Olympians must live oh, in D.C. Oh, yeah. No, they're definitely not in, like, fucking Denver or, like, <laughs> yeah, like, famous Training in some weird training center in yeah. Austin or something. How strange it is. It's like Paul Rudd's a great memory. It's, like, very romantic. It's like, never forget when I first saw Kramer versus Kramer. It's like, that's that's your movie you want to recommend that is like a deeply weird but also kind of like really he is he okay here's my question is paul rudd kind of like in the canon of our weird because he's not like a dad or he wasn't even really married but i feel like spiritually he's a fail son i think jack nicholson if we had seen after jack nicholson's wife had left and he was trying to raise paul rudd then jack nicholson would have been a key dad's rock candidate because he's in business he's making his way he's probably on this he's probably just getting into the dating game but he's got to raise paul rudd and but he's going to do a good job of it he's good paul rudd's going to be a big sweetie 
that you know he's going to think about pinning business crimes on but really paul found love so no business crimes for paul summing up the paul Rudd story i mean he is like it is business crimes that that would be a great name for this movie honestly so it's like so paul rudd you know he he loses his apartment due to business crimes yeah he can't he can't talk to certain people at work because of business crimes yep. larry from cousin larry from perfect strangers makes that perfectly perfectly clear yeah <laughs> <You> <laughs> and uh, jack nicholson probably shouldn't be talking to him but jack I, and so basically paul is put in this situation of either he takes the fall okay how does it, he takes the fall and goes to jail for three years yeah or jack goes takes the fall and he probably goes to jail the rest of his life what is they are on trial for there is no trial yet no no we don't know what the business crimes they are it's nebulous it is like uh it is uh, it's like it's stark it's like a beckett play where like you don't know what's happening and you don't know where anyone is there are no real specifics to any of it yeah it is like it is much like i said about the photoshop like being like the play the 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 poster being a placeholder this business is a placeholder it feels like yeah it's like okay i'll figure it out you know there there's gonna be some intrigue there yeah but it's just you know it's I, he had this great success with these this term terms of endearment and broadcast news of and all of his television shows of these kind of ensembles mm-hmm. doing their thing but it's really hard to do what he did in broadcast news and i think it's just been proven over and over again for the next 20 years of his career in films how hard it is to pull off what he pulled off in broadcast news i don't know what the secret magic is to that mm-hmm. i think that you're right though this is this one came frankly the closest because there is like oh cool softball baseball that's interesting or yeah. you know whatever the hell the business that Nicholson and Rudd are up to. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. Well, it, well, I think it's like with broadcast news, he had the knowledge. He had lived this life. He had like he had that um he had the necessary tools to provide depth to that world. And it feels like if you're gonna make a movie like this, uh, especially if it's like a, like a romance, it's kind of like one of the bigger, like you gotta have like you gotta have like that added depth, that added tech. Like if you're gonna like, you know, uh, if you're gonna bring up softball and you're gonna bring up like business crimes or whatever, like um, you need to do the research. And it feels like the research, I mean, maybe it was done. Who knows? But like it just, it does feel like it just feels a little. Those elements feel more half baked than the actual plot of the film. Yeah, yeah, and, and what all of these movies all the way through since then. There is this kind of strange indecisiveness that marks all of them. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll try this. Maybe this will work here. Try, you know, and he's too good not to like, not have kind of like emotional conclusions or kind of like vibes and good feelings, but it doesn't work in the same like satisfying way. They're too formless 
in a way. And this one is has a little bit more form, but it suffers because it's so surfacy with every in every other way. And it's it's a little disappointing because I think all of these movies that we you know even all do anything, which I mean God only knows, and it certainly seems all do anything hurt his confidence. Yeah. Um, looking back now that we've seen everything, mm. um, you know he was trying for a big swing there with the musical version of that, and um, to bail on it, to get laughed at, or even like have your colleagues just kind of say, "I don't know, Jim." really isn't cutting it um it's probably gotta hurt soul crushing yeah especially when all you've done is win for so long oh god dude that is imagining going from the heights of like terms of endearment and broadcast news and the simpsons simpsons and, the- and all of his mary Taxi, War, Taxi, Taxi, yeah. yeah i mean just hit after hit after hit uh, i mean an award after award and dollar after dollar and just to kind of go into that and everyone looking at you like you blew it um yeah that's gotta be i don't envy that <laughs> it's gonna nope. be really rough nope. and i think uh i mean all of these things you know who i forget who i heard but i think it may have been brooks but it's this idea of like boy you know something that seems cool and aggressive and interesting on the paper and then you bring it the screen and it's just like oh boy that you know it's just a different beast and i think it's 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 even for a pro like james l brooks who's so successful it's very mystical what what they do what good filmmakers do and i think it's just a it's 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 unfortunate so i mean this one i said earlier you know i found more enjoyable and i think but i fully agree it it is a um deeply surface level movie and its surfaceness hurts mm-hmm. um the product overall because i want to know more about all four of them yeah i want i want the deets and i want it to be a little more melancholy frankly yeah you know what it does it was missing that extra pang like that mm-hmm. like uh that bittersweet uh energy that both terms of endearment and uh broadcast news provide in their own ways um yeah. and, the, and the three-dimensionality that those characters like and that's kind of like why i like the owen wilson character because he was like a very flawed character and um i enjoyed seeing him uh slowly through his uh, interactions with like reese witherspoon become uh simultaneously gain a conscious conscience and become increasingly neurotic like he yeah. becomes an Albert Brooks character sort of by the end of it. And what's what's interesting about him, he reminds me a lot of Tom in uh, mm. Broadcast News. Like you mentioned that earlier, just with this kind of idea of like, okay, he's got it. He's selfish, mm-hmm. but he's got a lot of very positive qualities mm-hmm. about him too. And so you can see why she would be attracted mm-hmm. to him. You know, and I mean, I, there's another interesting thing is like, you play it like oh paul rudd's my friend but owen wilson's the lover yeah that would have been a um and then having her to finally both them like you need to decide you can't have it both ways like and paul rudd we should be the one to say it yes a hundred percent you know and i yeah rudd should have worked as an executive for the washington nationals 
<laughs> yeah. 100%. So they're all in the same workplace That's or, like, some, or, or some level of like you're, you mentioned that earlier and you're right. It's just like, put them in the same environment. Don't have this weird business subplot and God bless. I mean, you love to see Jack Nicholson, but I don't know. You could have given Rudd a different hangup. Have him be the owner. Have Jack Nicholson be the owner, and then maybe Paul's like the owner's fail son or something. Yeah, I something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, you could involve Jack as the owner in some way or something. Yeah, like, like that. there's like a because like that's also like I feel like the owner is kind of like a great like uh broadcast newsy, like where he can be in for a few minutes and like yeah. the heft of Nicholson provides uh the added context for that character almost what if, what if he's the coach of the Ooh, team although really i think good. he's too old i don't who knows yeah that's he's true certainly yeah i don't maybe yeah he, you know i'm surprised i'm trying to think if he ever played a sports coach because he could have yeah but i don't think he ever i'm not sure off the top of my head if he ever did um yeah. never did a like a uh Bad News Bears, kind of a, yeah, missed opportunity. No, I mean, he, he, he directed a really terrific basketball film called Drive, he said. A very strange basketball film called Drive, he said. Um, oh, interesting. But uh, I think that that's the clue. And, you know, Jack is a well-known sporto, you mm-hmm. know, Lakers courtside man, Yankees fan. He, he, he roots for all, like, <laughs> the easy winners. Um, no surprise there. <laughs> but yeah, I'm do, doing a quick glance at his uh, filmography. And um, he, yeah, he is. He never did. Which is really interesting because you would have thought uh, basketball coach or something like that. You know, in Drive, he said Bruce Dern plays the coach, who's excellent in it, mm-hmm. of course, um, as he always is. But um, yeah, it, that would have been keep it in the world of baseball. Uh, romantic comedy about careers within the world of high-level professional sports. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. But, you know, didn't go that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and this movie kind of heads to a conclusion where I actually did, like I said earlier, I did kind of admire, basically, Paul Rudd gives this very heartfelt speech to Nicholson where he says, you know, I would go to jail for you if this girl quite believe is a chance of a lifetime that I will miss out on um, says no to me. Mm-hmm. And what that's neat. That's a movie that, thing. Yeah, that's yeah, good. That's a yeah. romantic comedy movie thing. You know what? Uh, I'll give one like really nice thing I'll say about this movie is it did like remind me that like because I feel like I was kind of we were at a loss after Spanglish. We were like, I feel like we were at a point kind of where we or maybe it was just me where I was like, oh, I don't know if even is James L. Brooks even talented. Is he like, does he have like, is he have the sauce tonight? But like this movie reminded me that like he can still like write, like so he can turn a phrase. He has still has some like yeah. really interesting. There's interesting stuff percolating within this film. He could write, char- he could write charming people who you, whose company you enjoy. Yeah. You just, in this case, you wish that there was more to them beyond the surface in a way because it's but yeah i mean like when he says that you're like oh and then he goes out and you don't know what he gives his big spiel to reese and you don't know what her what she's gonna do but then she has a really tender moment with owen wilson where she kind of lets him go without a big bang or anything like that she just gives him a hug and he kind of like gets it and it's again sensitive filmmaking that actually 
is the way it should be. <laughs> um, you know, and then she, she, she and Rudd end up together and they cut to Nicholson who sees it. And Nicholson accepts that accepts his own fate because his son has found happiness and golly, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It is nice. It's nice. nice. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It is good. You're right. You're right. I mean, is it like it's not terms of endearment or broadcast news level of nuance and subtlety and movement and character dynamics and stuff like that? But it's you know, I like I said, I watched this on like a semi hungover morning, and I was like, yeah, that's that's nice. <laughs> you know? But yeah. you want more from the movie and. It's it has to be better mm-hmm. if you're going to spend 120 million dollars on it. Yeah, it just that, has to be better. That is like it is kind of egregious because like this movie looks like half that price, probably because half the budget went to the cast. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, and it huge amount to the cast, and it just you know I was reading too that um, you know it's just huge amount of cast and then the Janusz Kaminski like all the below the line I mean Hans Zimmer like all incredibly major league talented people wow you know, working wait, below Han- the line wait Hans Zimmer was the do the score what yeah. okay and, I mean that's I mean I don't know why I'm and usually it. Hans stuff is very memorable and, yeah uh, no and it just a lot of people, and I guess Sony Pictures, this was kind of their like one of their closely guarded crown jewels of the year it came out. Oh man! And it's just, and he hasn't directed since. And he's probably, and he's eighty-one, so I, I think, I think Scorsese is going to be directing into his eighties. Yeah, but I'm not sure how many others. At you know, probably Spielberg, too. Yeah. Um, but it's becomes a you know, difficult. Yep. If you're not making Oscar hits, uh, increasingly difficult for them yeah. not to say, uh, you know, you've you've been retired. And yeah. I think, and I think he he seems, by all accounts, to be quite satisfied. What did he say? Um, his career was now just fo- in 2017. His career is now just focused on staying with the Simpsons until the show ends and continuing to run into Steven Spielberg in the market. It was his words. And, uh, um, hey, you know and that's, you know, fine. Yeah. Bless it's life. awesome. Yeah. And <laughs> bless life. And he did yeah. great. Uh, it's unfortunate. These ones haven't like lived up to kind of the like picture, perfect adult drama, dramedy type movies that were his earlier two um but in all kind of interesting nonetheless but i just don't think at 120 million you can just be interesting i think you got to have the juice this should have been frankly the biggest adult drama that came out that year if you're going to spend that on it yeah i think they thought it might have been Oh, totally. They thought they had the next as good as it gets. Yeah, I think that they thought it, yeah. But yeah. is he know with as good as it gets? Because for as offensive as he could be, he was specific. Yeah. Uh, and also, um, all the actors in that, like, the core three leads are just effervescent and uh, they're perfectly matched to their characters. I don't know. There was something about it. And I, yeah, maybe it is like the specificity yeah. of him as an author 
uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you get to knew a little bit about his life. Uh, yeah. Kind of thing. And even up to Reese Witherspoon, it was like, yeah, I mean, how do you know? I think <laughs> I guess it's the end of the day. Yeah. How do you know? Well, I think, yeah, maybe it's like, yeah, like their her whole uh, arc and her whole character's modus operandi is just like uh, her romance, her Yeah, her. it's yeah. which is really, really odd for beginning to present her as this hard-nosed woman who made it to the top ranks of softball in the face of, like, bullyish men. Yeah. That's, like, that's interesting. Yeah, um, like, it's interesting stuff. I, we were teased with Dean Norris. I know. Yeah. We were teased. Yeah, no, you don't just bring in Dean Norris and yeah. then let him walk away. <laughs> no. Yeah, it, yeah, and but even he was like, okay, he's the blowhard who is kind of misogynistic, even though he coaches women's softball. Yeah, like you knew who what he was going to do too, and it was just like, so why did he get hired? Oh no! For this it's job, a, when every other one of his assistant coaches is like, "This guy's a ding dong." Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, if this would had been like broadcast news, that character would have been given like he would have been like uh, there would have been a reason he was there, and he would have had dimensionality. That uh, he's a he's a better actor than that too. We know that he is capable of doing a lot of more depth. Yeah, he turned his character in Breaking Bad from that into something yeah. of like real gravity. <laughs> yeah. Like, and again, though, they gave him more to do. I mean, yeah. it's just I don't know. It's like for this much time and this much money, it, there's a shockingly little to do for, any, for anyone involved in it. And yeah. I think that might be why you, were, you thought Paul Rudd was flailing a little bit because he's trying a lot of different things and Owen Wilson just kind of probably smoked a joint and was like all right let's do this <laughs> it was kind of yeah. his attitude toward I th- it I think that's like the attitude like I think like um yeah he just has like a big personality and I think that like works when you're in this kind of environment like he's a charming guy I don't know yeah I mean he doesn't look like a baseball player but you kind of get the feeling of him being cocky and kind of yeah have you know kind of you know having it doing what he feels like and, he's, you know. he's the type of guy who would like talk to you about being like the I, playing baseball in college and being like uh pro like you know a uh almost made it to the pros when i was at rice university or whatever and you would believe him oh you know. yeah well it's like the like you know the stories of like richard linklater being like yeah i was a good athlete i played some college ball you know but kind of having that like texas yeah mm-hmm. you know we'll see you know oh, kind of yeah. attitude Texas hippie, yeah. Yeah, Texas hippie attitude. But I, yeah, I think yeah. Overall, I, I I like this a lot more actually than I did when I saw it when it first came out. Um, it's inoffensive. Yeah. But again, like we said, it's like this when the stakes are this high and with you got this much going on and this much talent and this much on the line, you need to be more than inoffensive. This movie cost five million dollars. I probably would have been like, oh, and, and but. It, that gets these to a bigger question. Does it even matter as viewers how much a movie costs? Mm. It doesn't. No. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if it flopped. It doesn't matter if it did really well. Um, so at the end of the day, I think it's just you just wanted more out of this movie. Yeah. And you uh, know, it's it's uh it is what it is. And uh it's definitely yeah, this is definitely like the middle of the pack. In terms of James L. Brooks movies. Yeah, and yeah. It, just this feeling of like almost all of them trying to jam in 
all of this stuff when really it's like a workplace relationship movie pretty simple mm-hmm. just have them live there you showed how to do professionals or if it's you know i think the reason why the jammed in stuff worked in terms of endearment is it takes place over 30 years yeah it's not a condensed window yep so but you know not as offensive as spanglish yes uh, uh, a breath of i'd watch this movie uh, five times before watching spanglish once yeah yep. yeah not as broken yeah. as i'll do anything and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that was the word I wanted to use was broken. Totally broken. Oh, just, poor. Yeah, just kind of defective. Yeah. Um, oh man. Yeah, definitely like an island of lost toys movie. And, and not as like odd as as good as it gets. Yeah. Oh, definitely not as odd as as good as it gets. Although but, it's like, yeah, it's a. Those two are like in. The, I cannot wait to rank our uh, movies because I'm. I don't know where I would put how do you know and as good as it gets. Those two are kind of like neck and neck for me a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if any of James O. Brooks's movies outside of the big two are ranked at all ahead of any of Albert Brooks's seven movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a hard... I think, I think terms and broadcast have, have certainly have a shot. But um, mm. everything else might be after Albert. Wow. That's I, true. I think that possibility is there because yeah. Albert, as we've learned over the last few weeks, just a little more consistent. Yeah, he's just and, he has the he has the, the formula down pat and he knows what his strengths are and he plays to them. Yep. He's confident within <laughs> that. He doesn't overextend at all ever. I mean, all <laughs> was there one over 100 minutes? Outside? I think defending your life was the only one. And that was a little more ambitious, but that still yeah. wasn't even two hours. Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. yeah he's, it's we're you comparing him to the Ramones last podcast. Yeah. yeah it's just beautiful. It's like, it, yes, it's art. Yeah. It works. This has been, it's been so much fun. Yeah. The, the, these last few weeks, this is like we mentioned it before, our favorite uh, batch of apps we've done mm-hmm. thus far. We're not done yet, though. Mm-mm-mm. We're not done yet. So next week, we've got. You know, golly, this who knows? Because if it, if it runs long, which seems like the possibility is there, uh, this might get stretched into a two part, two week finale. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I mean, many of you might be thankful because we've got a lot of we've got an ambitious slate for next week. Uh, in theory, maybe not in practice, we'll be talking about the Simpsons movie, mm. Albert Brooks's novel Twenty Thirty. We will be ranking the Brooks Brooks films and as a bonus, a first ever Pat, Patrick Don Pickham. Oh, hell and yeah. And what this is, is we're going to be taking a look. Obviously, we've brought it up before. These guys have done a lot of other uh, peripheral type work mm-hmm. outside of their directorial work. So we're picking a couple films that we want to cover that they're involved in. That uh, we just think would be fun. So, Patrick, do you want to introduce which film out of any other Brooks Brooks films you would like to cover? Oh, man. So, this is it, folks. I am going to choose Thursday's Game, a TV movie directed by James L. Brooks from 1974 starring Gene Wilder and Bob Newhart 
in addition to Ellen Burstyn and Cloris Leachman. This is exciting. I am. <laughs> I who knows what have you looked into the availability of this movie? I am looking that I see. I was afraid of saying that because I feel like I've <laughs> yeah. jinxed it. I'm. I'm gonna okay. I'm looking it up. Thursday. Hey, I type in Thursday's game and immediately Thursday's game streaming shows up. Okay, Amazon. What? No, that's what is art. Okay, not available on Amazon. I'll see if I can find it. Oh my god, it's oh, on YouTube. Um, it's, it's on, on YouTube. YouTube. So folks, join us on YouTube for that one. I think that's that's where. I don't see if we're gonna. I don't think it's happening. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, it's on YouTube, and I guess I gotta give a shout out to, to the, the the channel that uh, posted it, Lady Confidential. Lady. Thank you. Lady Confidential. Uh, this this sounds like it's a lot of fun. It looks like Rob Reiner is in it as well. Oh God, he's be, becoming another recurring. He's like Lenny Benito, another recurring character in our yeah, vast yeah, compendium. The man who almost almost beat Albert Brooks to the punch with a Jim Carrey aquarium picture. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that that's how I was super excited. What a cool deep cut find. Mine is not as deep of a cut, but I think. I mean, I'm really excited. You said you just watched it. I have uh, not gotten around to it yet. Uh, we're talking about Nicholas winning reference film Drive, in ooh. which Albert Brooks plays the heavy and kind of a different side to him. But if I remember correctly, he's quite effective. Oh, man. I'm, you're in for a treat, sir. Yeah. I yeah. love the film when it came out. Saw in the theater. I can't wait to take a look at it again. Uh, so who knows if we're going to have time for all of those promises in one episode <laughs> it might get stretched into another who knows it's a christmas season we'll see what happens yeah. hey, we're, we're, we're also gonna read the three body problem yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do that too i'm gonna rewatch kramer versus kramer just yes. to make sure that the <laughs> themes were noticed correctly by reese witherspoon and paul rudd and how do you know how do you know how do you how know do you, how do you know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to take this, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see you next week for at least some of our promised finale. Uh, maybe all, but I I doubt you, any of you want to deal with a four-hour episode. So uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah. regard, regardless of that, this was How Do You Know? This was Looking for Comedy in a Muslim World. This was a two- <laughs> two recording one in the morning one in the evening kind of for the academy academy oh yeah and hey uh you may not know but it's as good as it gets how, how do you know uh, I'll, I'll do anything oh no <laughs> spanglish <laughs> <laughs> all right bye